0: Lord God, thank you for your word. I pray that you bless it tonight. Thank you for the Bibles we hold, God, how precious it is to us in our hands. And we just want to come to you, God, hear from you, Lord. Our ears are open. Our mind is attentive. God, in our heart, is just willing, God willing, to do what you want, God. So as we surrender all to you, we ask that you speak to us and you bless your word. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, no one likes to have heartburn, right? No one likes heartburn. You know that funny thing, you know, inside us that really, uh, it actually has nothing to do with your heart, right? It's because of that burning sensation that comes from that general area of the heart, but we know it's from the stomach acids affecting your esophagus, right, giving us that burning sensation, I was reading about reading about some home remedies like, of course, uh, many of you probably do this. You drink milk if you have heartburn. Uh, some people even say eating green apples helps. I don't know how. Uh, some say eating ginger. Um, I've never tried this. Someone else says some home remedy is to chew on celery. I don't know if that would help. <laughs> Uh, and some people say put a teaspoon of baking soda and water and drink that, and that helps your heartburn. One comedian commented on the side effects for prescription heartburn medica- medication. And he, as he was commenting, he said, well, the side effects are abdominal pain, nausea, diarrhea, and flatulence. He said, then, you know what? I'll take the heartburn. Yeah, it seems funny Yeah, that you would have all take that medication and you have other side effects that probably are even worse. Well, there is a sort of heartburn, or I would say burning heart, that we really should have. And that is a burning heart for Jesus. And so tonight, as we return to our study in the book of Luke, Jesus brings two guys, actually, and this is our title, From Broken Hearts to Burning Hearts. That's our title. Jesus basically is going to take these two guys, and they're going to, he's going to take them from broken hearts to burning hearts. From broken hearts to burning hearts. We're going to be covering Luke chapter 24 from verse 13 through 35 as we continue our verse-by-verse verse study here. Now our outline tonight is this, The Road to Emmaus number two, the right understanding, and number three, the reality unveiled. So that's our outline for tonight. Well, let's begin here with number one, the road to Emmaus. And this is where we start with this story of how Jesus takes these two guys from Emmaus. Broken hearts to burning hearts. So, number one, the road to Emmaus. And there we're going to, here we're going to be covering verses 13 through 24. Verse 13 through 24. But first of all, take a look with me here from verse 13 through 16. 13 through 16. We begin here, it says in verse 13, That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem. Verse 14, And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. All right, we'll stop there for now. Now we begin here with the the writer, right, Luke, who's writing And saying at the very beginning of verse 13, that very day. What day is this? Well, it's what we saw last week. That very day is really the day that Jesus rose again from the dead. Remember last week in our last, I'm sorry, last week was different. But last section we saw was that the angel declared to the women, right, that Jesus is alive when they came to the empty tomb. So you remember uh, what we saw a few weeks ago. Jesus is alive. Jesus has resurrected. So as we come into verse 13, it's that very day, on that resurrection Sunday. Now, on that day, two of them, who are these guys? Well, they're followers of Jesus, basically. They're not, they're unnamed, uh, well, except one of them we're going to see in a moment, but they, they're followers of Jesus. They may not necessarily be one of the 12 disciples, but they're followers in that group of people that follow Jesus there. So these two guys, uh, two of them, they were going to a village named Emmaus. We don't know exactly where that village is. Uh, traditionally, the village is Kubebeth, and, and I guess in modern times or so. But we know this, it was seven miles from Jerusalem. Here, it says in verse 13. So they were walking, basically, right? There's no cars or anything, uh, no transportation. So they were walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. Now, normally, uh, the average travel time back then in walking, that would probably be about two or three hours to get from Jerusalem to Emmaus. Now, later we're going to see in verse 28 that they arrived in Emmaus around dinner time. It was about evening. So, most likely, this happens on Sunday afternoon on that resurrection day. So, it's Sunday afternoon at that time. So, you can kind of picture that. That very day, Jesus, they found the tomb open. Jesus had risen that early in the morning, and then they found the tomb empty. And so it's resurrection Sunday that afternoon. Now, it goes on to say in verse 14, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. Well, well, what things? What, what, What were they talking about? Well, everything that had been happening in the past three days, basically, Jesus is suffering, right, under the Romans. Jesus is and in betrayal, probably they were talking about right before that, and his arrest and his suffering under the Romans, and his death on the cross. And then now, we're going to see in a moment, too, that they probably are talking about his resurrection. So these guys are talking about all those events. And I would interject in here, too, because it's going to unfold with us in our in this passage, as they were wondering, what is going on here? This isn't what we realize the Messiah, what would happen to the Messiah. They thought the Messiah was going to, remember, conquer the Romans and then bring in God's kingdom, but Jesus had died, and now there's this talk about the resurrection. So I believe that's what they're talking about. will unfold to us in the rest of this passage. Well, as they're talking about all that had happened now, verse 15, while they were talking, discussing what's going on, Jesus now, in verse 15, himself drew near and went with them. But, verse 16, their eyes were kept from recognizing Jesus. So at this point, all of a sudden, here, here's Jesus coming up, maybe catching up, maybe from behind. They're walking on the road together, talking about things, focused in on this conversation, wondering, I can't believe what happened I don't, with Jesus. And then here's Jesus. He comes walking up, maybe catching up. You can kind of maybe picture a video on this. And he comes walking up right next to them, and he's just walking along with them. But they did not know that that was Jesus. Their eyes were veiled. Their their eyes were kept from recognizing who he was. You know, sometimes um, we, 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 you know, someone might talk about you or something or you see him in movies and stuff. or And then, you know, you're like standing there and there, someone's talking about you. And usually you say, you know, I'm right here, right? Well, Jesus didn't say that. Jesus just kind of walked along listening. Now, I want to stop for a moment and kind of, out this thought. And I was thinking about this question. Why didn't Jesus reveal himself? Why was it that he veiled himself? I mean, they're talking about him. They're, they're having a hard time with what had happened. Um, they're, they're in a struggle here, but wouldn't it have helped their faith if Jesus just appeared, like he did in, in, on resurrection morning, right, to, to Mary, Magdalene, to the women, uh, to to Peter, we know, in another passage, and, and disciples later on. I mean, wouldn't it have helped them if they would have seen, hey, look, Jesus is alive. What was Jesus trying to do here? I, I believe there's a lesson here. And I think the answer is found in Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. It says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Now, that's a key thing to understand here, you guys. It, it, to understand, that's why Jesus came in all veiled, right? He wants them to operate on faith. They were struggling here. So, Jesus is trying to get them to operate on faith to learn a lesson here. And on this that's what this passage is going to unfold into. So, that is our call even tonight. I mean, doesn't it seem like, those situations, and maybe you're, you're in this today, maybe you're in a situation where it seems like God is not there, yeah, to these two on this road to Emmaus, it's like, what happened to Jesus, what happened to the one we thought was the Messiah, he, he's, he died, there's these weird talk about his resurrection, but, but he's, he's not around, and so sometimes in our situations, we're like, it seems like God is not there, but you know what the reality is, Jesus is really there, here, these guys are, are walking, talking about, oh, wow, what happened to Jesus? He died. But actually, Jesus is right there. They just couldn't see him at that moment. And perhaps God is teaching us to have faith, yeah, that we walk by faith, not by sight, not by our own perception, but by faith in God. All right, so we go on here in our passage. Look at verse 17. And he said to them, this is Jesus. What is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. So here's Jesus, kind of comes up, and all of a sudden he he says, Hey, you guys, what, what, what are you talking about? And they stop walking. They stop in their tracks right there. And they look at Jesus. They only see him as another traveler here on this path, on this road to Emmaus. And they stop. But they're looking. um, Look what Luke said. They're looking sad. They were struggling here. They were having a hard time here. They were disillusioned. What? Jesus died? What? They were... Depressed. What? We, we, we put everything into Jesus. They were discouraged. And that's what I want you to catch here. This is what I want you to see here. These two were on the road to Emmaus because they were very discouraged. Put that in your mind right now. These two were on the road to Emmaus because they were very discouraged. Think about this. They're leaving this Jerusalem, right? We read earlier, it's seven miles from Jerusalem. Sir, they've left Jerusalem. They were there at the Passover festival. As soon as probably the first chance they had after the Sabbath was over here Sunday, they're like, we're gone. They're heading to Emmaus. Maybe, I don't know if they lived there or is a a stop to wherever they're going. But think about being disillusioned. Think about being so discouraged that they are not with the other followers, the other disciples. I kind of imagine the other disciples are in some room kind of going, Wow, what's going on? I don't know. You know, these women were saying this and everything. And, 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 you know, these guys left them. They're on the road to Emmaus. And they're all bummed out talking about this whole thing. And I think it's a bummer they're not with the other disciples. Because perhaps as they are being gone, they will. If they were still there, they could have or they would have missed the appearance of Jesus to the disciples. Why? Because they're on the road to Emmaus. They're not there. They're not with the other guys. They're like going away from Jerusalem. You know, that makes me think about when we look at this passage. Sometimes we can be on that road to Emmaus, can't we? Sometimes we can, we're on that road too. We're saying, I'm out of here. Things don't work out. I'm disillusioned. I'm discouraged. I'm depressed. And sometimes to cope with our discouragement, we're just like, well, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. But we got to understand that when we are on that road Temus, going away from where God wants us. Where where remember Jesus died outside of Jerusalem. So think about it this way every step away from the cross is a step in the wrong direction. I feel like these guys are going in the wrong direction. And plus it was too soon to leave. Because actually God had done a great thing. So watch out with your discouragement. Watch out how you handle that discouragement. Don't give up. Stay where God wants you to stay. Stay with your fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord. Don't just take off. Don't isolate. Come. Come to church. Come to Wednesday night. Come to Sunday morning. You know, I I know it's easy. You guys who are connected online, and if, um, I'm talking to you guys whom God is calling you now to come. Come Wednesday night. It's easy to sit home. It's easy to isolate. It's easy to just sit there in your own. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to let everyone see what I'm like. I don't want to. Uh, I'm going through something. I'll just sit over here. Praise God, you guys are connected, but. Perhaps, if you're hearing this, or maybe you've been away from church, away from fellowship, God is saying, hey, come back. Don't be on that road to Emmaus, coping in a way of just ah, isolating, getting away from everyone. Because God is doing great things. God is, has done great things here. They, they don't realize it yet. They're just on the road. Jesus has come to help them. Praise God. But we don't want to be on that road and miss the great things God has done. This uh, pastor named Craig D. uh, Lounsborough said, discouragement is the cancer of great things. I like that. Uh, The way we handle discouragement, if we handle it in a bad way, it can ruin great things that god wants to do in your life all right let's go on here verse 18 it says then one of them named cleopas answered him are you the only visitor to jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days now one of these guys is named cleopas we don't really know anything about him other than uh, luke writing this here today and perhaps uh, everyone else knew because the story got famous around that time. And so they knew it was. Luke put it in his, his his gospel. But one of them, Cleopas, actually said to Jesus, like, wait, what? Wait, don't you know what's been going on? I mean, everyone knows. Everyone knows what's happening. It's It's been all over in the news, yeah? It was the talk of the town. So then in, in verse 19... And he said to them, what thing? So Jesus said, oh, well, well, tell me, what is it? And they said to them, both of them are talking to Jesus, maybe taking turns in this conversation, saying, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who is a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people it's jesus it's about this man jesus it's about what happened in the past three days verse 20 and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him but we had hoped, verse 21 that he was the one to redeem israel we thought he was the messiah we thought he was the one i mean maybe they explained to jesus or well they don't know it's Jesus but you know they were explaining that yeah you know on on Sunday there's a whole triumphal entry and everyone was saying Hosanna Hosanna blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord and we laid out our clothes and he came in riding a donkey we thought this was it this is the time this is the Messiah who's gonna deliver us from the oppression of the Romans we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel yes and besides all this you know, it's now the third day since these things happened. And now he died on Friday, and now it's three days later. And you know what? In verse 22, it says, moreover, some, of, some women in our company who were followers of Jesus, they amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, in verse 23, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who had said that he was alive. They're saying now that he's alive, Jesus who died. And then some of those who were with us, you remember who they were, Peter and John, right? They went to the tomb, found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. It was empty, but they came back going, wow, it was empty. Could it really be? So these guys, they were confused about They didn't know. We thought this was the guy, the one who redeemed Israel. They were confused about Jesus' death and now this talk about his resurrection. What was going on inside of them? Well, why were they struggling? Well, this is the second thing I want you to see here. The broken hearts came from the big letdown of what they thought Jesus was supposed to do. That's why. They are they were disappointed. Their expectations were broken. So it broke their hearts. It was a big letdown for them. He didn't do, Jesus didn't do what we wanted him to do. Jesus didn't do what we thought he was supposed to do. And so now they're on this road to Emmaus, leaving Jerusalem, leaving everybody discouraged. There's this old story of when the devil had this yard sale. Up for grabs was many tools like hatred, envy, jealousy, deceit, anger, lying, and pride, selfishness. But one of his tools that looked the most worn out had a sign on it that said, not for sale. Well, when he was asked why this one wasn't for sale, he explained, this one is discouragement he went on to say this one is more useful than the others he said i can find my way into hearts that would otherwise be unreachable by me and when i get in this way i can put anything else there that i want to and isn't that true it seems like discouragement that can get any of us the strongest christian the most mature the one who's been going and persevering and having faith, then all of a sudden we're discouraged. Our heart is broken. And it could be like these guys. The big letdown came from what they thought Jesus was supposed to do. Is that you tonight? Maybe maybe the devil's made his way into you with discouragement. And that discouragement, he can influence you shoot darts at more things to bring you down and you spiral out. Maybe you're on that road to Emmaus right now because of disappointment, because you've been let down and thinking what you thought God should have done. But let me tell you right now again, God is right here. God has come to meet you here. Notice Jesus came to them, right? Right? Jesus came to them. And so Jesus is with you on your road to Emmaus, And he's not going to let you go. If anything, put this in your mind. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Maybe you don't understand what's going on. These guys didn't. They were trying to put it together. They got discouraged and said, forget it. They wrote Jesus off already. But we should not lean to our own understanding of things that are going on, but trust in the Lord. And that's how we can go from broken hearts to burning hearts. All right, number one, we've seen here the road to Emmaus, the road to Emmaus Number two in our outline now is the right understanding, the right understanding. Here in the, this section we're going to look at verse 25 through 27, 25 to 27. Look at verse 25. And he said to them, "This is uh, Jesus, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe, all that the prophets have spoken." Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. All right, we'll stop there. So Jesus, in verse 25, he replies to all that they said. And he says, Oh foolish ones. It's kind of funny that Jesus would say, say that. I kind of take it as like a teacher you know, it's like telling their students, come on, you guys, come on, you know this. Come on. You 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 should know this. You should know better. I mean, these are followers of Jesus who probably with them been with Jesus through his teachings, yeah? Through 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 the miracles, through everything that he's done. And remember how Jesus told the disciples, told his followers at least three times or more that's recorded in the gospels. That he's going to go to. When he goes to Jerusalem, he's going to be betrayed to the chief priests. And they're going to be handed over to be condemned. And he's going to be crucified. He's going to die. But on the third day, he's going to stay in the tomb. No, he's going to rise again, right? So it's like Jesus, the teacher, saying, oh, come on, you guys. Come on. And he goes, you know what? Let's get back to what the Word says. Let's get back to what the Scripture says. So Jesus says, come on, you guys, don't be slow of heart to believe, right? Have faith in what? Notice that Jesus goes back to the word, goes back to the Old Testament scriptures. And he says to believe all that the prophets have spoken, all what the prophets had said in the Old Testament. And then he says, uh, that, that it talks about in verse 26, that it was necessary that the Christ or the Messiah should suffer these things and enter into his glory. And then he would be glorified, that he would suffer, but then really inferring to his resurrection and then rising again and in ascension yeah, into glory, sitting at the right hand of the Father. So Jesus is, is like, hey, you guys, let's, let's, let's look at this. Remember, let's look at what the scripture says concerning the Messiah that, you know what you guys are talking about, what you're having a a problem with, what you're confused about, that, you know what, the Messiah is supposed to die. That there is a first coming and second coming as we understand it today. So, verse 27, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted, he explained, he expounded, yeah, To them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Luke sees Jesus as the Messiah. We know Jesus is the Messiah. And, And we should believe that these things are exactly about Jesus Christ. And so Jesus expounds on how the Messiah is supposed to suffer, die glorified and, and 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 that this was all to happen to the Messiah to open them eyes their eyes to that this is exactly what Jesus went through. Now perhaps Jesus maybe even started with what Moses wrote in Genesis three fifteen that there would be a promise offspring from a woman that you remember would bruise the head of the serpent, but the serpent would bruise his heel, and that was the first prophecy of a Messiah, a Savior to come. Uh, uh, that 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 was to happen. Perhaps Jesus went into Isaiah fifty-three, the suffering of the Messiah. He was he was beaten and treated as a criminal, uh, and but it also talks about how the Lord is laid upon him, the sins of us all right how he took upon his body the sins of the world and then psalm 16 verse 8 through 10 refers to his resurrection that he would be resurrected and made alive you know i want to give you something someone said well you can look at it this way the prophecies of the messiah in the old testament as number one a crib number two a cross and number three a cave so you can look at it as the, a crib, a cross, and a cave. First of all, a crib. Isaiah nine six says, "For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace." So, number one, a crib that the Messiah will be born, a human being, and we know First John, I mean John chapter one, right? He became flesh and dwelt among us and then number two a cross psalm 22 verse 16 the second part says a company of evildoers encircles me they have pierced my hands and feet what is that the crucifixion so you see a crib a cross and then thirdly a cave. That's a tomb, basically. Isaiah 53, 9 says, And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death. Remember that I refer to that as uh, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a wealthy man. Jesus' body was placed in his tomb, a rich man's tomb, even though he died as a criminal, which he wasn't. He he took upon the sins of the world. Uh, sins of the world. And so... You can say it's a crib, a cross, and a cave that we see in the prophecies of the Old Testament. Bruce Barton said, Christ is the thread woven through all the scriptures, the central theme that binds them together. So if anything, Jesus was helping them see that it's the Messiah woven through all the scriptures And here's what it is saying. So, Jesus gives them the right understanding. So faith is on what the Word says and not what they see. That's what he's trying to do here. This is the point here. Jesus gives them the right understanding. So faith is on what the Word says and not what they see. So many times we aren't we uh, operating on what we see, our perceptions, our outlook. When we should go to the Word of God, and that's what Jesus did, brought them to the Word of God, so their faith would be upon the Word. Turn over to Romans chapter ten, verse seventeen. Romans ten, verse seventeen. Romans ten verse 17. Most of us know this verse. Most of us understand this verse. But Romans 10, verse 17 says, So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. I want you to see this, to understand that we, we hear the word, we see the word, we understand the word of Christ, the word of God, the gospel. We, God's word, as we read it, we put our faith on it and we learn to have faith on God's truth. So here's Jesus. We can go back to Luke chapter 24. Here's Jesus showing them that, you know, faith is not based on, on seeing Jesus, seeing Jesus die, seeing hearing about his resurrection. I don't know if it's true. We, we haven't even seen him, right? But faith is believing on what the word says. Of God says. If you're on the road to Emmaus tonight, then you know what? Jesus is meeting with you right now, right here in the Word of God. He says, Go back to faith in the Word, go back to trusting what His Word says, not on what you think should happen, not on what you've kind of put together this scenario in your mind. You know how we do that. Yeah. you know how problems arise you think well I got to solve it oh I got to do this but what if this what if that and you, you start scheming that's a good word you start trying to figure out ways to, to get things done to to get some more money to to solve this issue to, to solve this problem you start scheming thinking well I got to do or maybe it's that uh, and then it doesn't happen the way you think it should happen you maybe even pray, but Jesus says, look, don't put your faith in what you've schemed, but put your faith in the promises of God that, you know what? He's sovereign, that he has things in control, that he will provide, that he will protect, that he is taking care of things, that he has a plan, that he has a purpose in all of this, a purpose, a plan, and perhaps step by step. He will reveal it to you. So we got to get back to faith in what the word of God tells us. Brian A. Reese wrote this poem. You can listen to this. It goes like this. Have faith in God, my heart. Trust and be unafraid. God will fulfill in every part each promise he has made. God will be faithful to the promises of His Word, of what He says in here. And so we must trust God in that, hold God to that, cling to that with all your might, the promises of God's Word. And that's what the Lord is doing here with these two. He gives them the right understanding of what the Scripture says about the Messiah so so they could put faith in that right understanding understanding and bring them from broken hearts to burning hearts all right well we see the road to maus was really talking about their discouragement the right understanding jesus brings them back to an understanding what the messiah is about what the word says so they could put their faith in that so they could walk by faith not by sight but faith in the promise, in the prophecies, in the word of God. And now we come to number three, the reality unveiled. The reality unveiled. And this is from verse 28 through 35, the rest of our section. Take a look with me here, a few verses from verse 28. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? We'll stop there. So as they approached and they got into the village, Emmaus, it seemed as though he acted as if he were going farther. In other words, acted like Jesus is just going to keep going. But these guys, these two, they're, they're like, oh, no, wait, wait, Jesus, come, come, stay with us. And they strongly urge him, no, no come, come, stay with us. I like, I like how we understand God never forces us to do anything. God is what, you know, uh, commentators have said in the past, he's a perfect gentleman, you know. But I love that they're like, no, no, Jesus, Come. Hey, and they don't know it's Jesus. But like, no, no, come, come, stay with us. We want to talk more. We're, we're understanding. And, and as we read at the, in verse um, 32, they started to understand this. They started to put faith in that. I think they are hungry for more. And they're like, no, no, come, stay, come, stay. So Jesus consented. And it was toward evening, as I mentioned. So it was Sunday afternoon. This happened. And the day was far spent. So he, so he, uh, uh, well stayed with them and they were at the table they're having the evening meal and then jesus took the bread in verse 30 and um, blessed it prayed said grace and broke it and gave it to them and in that act as he probably as they have probably seen many times before when they were following jesus before he died on the cross in that act right when he broke the bed all of a sudden, their eyes were open. All of a sudden, the veil came down. All of a sudden, the, the, the reality of who was there was unveiled. And they recognized that this was Jesus. Can you imagine? It's, you know, maybe he's, he, he, he prayed. He took the bread. He prayed and he started breaking. And they're thinking, hey, I've, I've seen this before. Hey, this is, this is kind of deja vu, kind of familiar to me. And he broke the bread and gave it to them, and all of a sudden they realized and their eyes are open. This is Jesus Christ. This is Him. This is the, 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 this, this the whole time. This was Jesus. And it says here in verse thirty-two, um, or I'm sorry, verse thirty-one. And he vanished from their sight. I I, I kind of imagine Jesus was. Um, their eyes are open, and and. And they recognize Jesus. I kind of imagine Jesus smiling at them, kind of waving. Yeah, it's me. Yeah, and then he's like, "Aloha!" Poof, he disappears. Can you imagine it? Can you imagine that going on? Wouldn't that that would have been amazing to be there? This whole time, it was Jesus. This whole time. I wonder what was going through their minds. I wonder what they're thinking. Whoa, wow. And That's why I'm so encouraged by this passage because sometimes we are on that road to Emmaus. We're so discouraged. But Jesus comes and meets us and he reveals to us that he's been here with us the whole time as we turn to faith in his word. And so they make this comment. Notice in verse 32, they said to each other, Did not our hearts Burn within us. This is a good heartburn. <laughs> this is this is a warming of the heart. See, as Jesus was expounding the scriptures, as the Holy Spirit and here's God speaking right to them, they started to understand. It was hitting their hearts. They the, the scriptures are being opened up. They're like connecting. It was clicking. Going. Oh, this scripture that this man's bringing—I see it speaks about the Messiah. Oh, this other scripture. Oh, wow, it speaks about the Messiah coming, being born, the Messiah suffering. Oh, the Messiah resurrecting. They were seeing this picture come together. It clicked in the mind, in their mind, and in this truth, this work of the Spirit, this God speaking—that's what they're describing. It was moving on their hearts. It was burning their hearts. It was a good heartburn. You know, when John Wesley, the famous pastor, evangelist, heard the truths of the gospel, you know what he wrote? He wrote that my heart was strangely warmed. That's the same idea. That's the same idea. The word of Jesus, they didn't know it was Jesus, Started to burn their hearts, started to give them that heart burn, so to speak. Their hearts started to burn within them. And now, I would say, with the appearance of Jesus, where they saw Jesus, realized all along this was Jesus, I believe their hearts were set on fire. That's what I think. Their hearts are totally set on fire now. It all clicked, it is true. Jesus is the Messiah. It's not what they doubted. It's not what they were disappointed about. It is true. Jesus is the Messiah. He had to die. He had to uh, go through all of this to pay for our sins. And then he did rise again because they saw him. Scripture all came to pass and now their heart is set on fire. Their faith in the word, as they started to believe, oh, tell us more, Jesus, stay, and then from faith, all of a sudden, boom, it all came together when they saw Jesus right there. And then, look at verse thirty-three. And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found eleven and those who were with them gathered together. They went back now, right? That same hour when Jesus appeared and disappeared. You know what? They didn't wait to the next day. They're like, hey, we're going back. we got to get back to where we belong. we got to return to where we should have been the whole time. And they found the eleven where they were gathered. And those other followers were gathered together. And then they told him, verse 34, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. It's true. Simon did see it. And then they told what happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Isn't that great? They didn't wait till the next day. They were on fire. Their hearts were on fire. They were burning for Jesus. Isn't this great? Jesus had taken them from the path of discouragement to putting faith in the word. And then now, they got to see Jesus. So our last point is this. After the word of God, the reality unveiled is to see Jesus was the one with them the whole time. The whole time. You ever been to a trial, trial and you look back and go, wow, God, you, you were there. God, you were working here. Sometimes we don't see it while in the middle of it, but at the end, we see his work. The early church father, Augustine, said this, Faith is to believe what you do not see. The reward of this faith is to see what you believe. That's what happened here. So take this home tonight. Take it home in your doggy bay. You know, Put faith in the word. Believe it to be true, and then you'll see. Don't wait to see. Believe in faith to be true, and then you will see. And you know what you'll see? That Jesus is alive, you guys. That he's alive and well working in our life. That he's alive and well involved in our lives. That he's alive helping you to grow, helping you to understand, to put faith in his word and to trust in him. Jesus is alive, and that's what these guys saw. That He is alive, and through the word, putting faith, and seeing Jesus, you know what? It melted away discouragement, and that's what melts discouragement. Faith, faith in the word, and you will see Jesus. Let faith in the truth of the word start burning bright in your heart tonight. You guys, this is the time. No matter what you're going through, no matter the trial, no matter the disappointment, no matter the discouragement, go to Jesus. Put your faith in the Word. Hang on to His promises. Jesus is alive. And let those truths, let your faith start burning bright in your heart. that no matter what it is, God, I have you. Jesus, you're here with me. My faith Isn't it? No matter the situation, Jesus, you can heal it. You can fix it. You are greater. You're more powerful. That's what the Word of God tells us. I'll close with these two things. When the missionary to India, Henry Martin, found the Bible, uh, uh, when you find the truth in the Bible, it, it set his heart on fire. And you know what he said? Now let me burn out for God. Let's burn for the Lord. Let's live more than ever before for Jesus. Let's, let's have faith more than ever before. Let's, let's go head on into whatever the battle is, whatever we're going to, but with faith saying, God, you're alive. Another thing I want to share with you, when the young missionary uh, to Native Americans years ago was so impacted by the truth in God's word, uh, this is... Um, David Brainerd, he cried, Oh, that I were a flame of fire in the hand of God. Let us be that flame of fire burning for God. So let's do that. Put our faith in the word. What God has said, what God has done, what God will do. And guarantee you will go from broken hearts to burning hearts. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, thank you so much, Lord, for for what you've been speaking to us about here, for your word, God, that shows us, Lord, even in discouragement. You come to us, Lord. Maybe we don't see you right away, but you speak to us. You reveal yourself to us then and we see you through your word as we believe in you and put our faith in you and god we want to do that right now oh lord we 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 need you so much god lord we we can be so derailed lord by disappointment discouragement god disillusion, lord maybe even with with the church with leaders with this world, with other Christians, when things don't go the way we think they should go. But God, that does not mean you're not working. If anything, it means you are working, Lord, behind the scenes. And that's what we got to believe in, Lord. That no matter what God You are faithful, even when we're unfaithful. And I hold on to that, Jesus. And so be faithful, God, to us in helping us to be faithful to you, Lord. Be faithful, God, to increase our faith and help us to trust in you, even when we don't understand. But may you direct our paths to your word, Lord, to your promises. Help us to stand upon them, God. And Lord, Lord, As we turn around from Emmaus and go back to Jerusalem. As we go back, God, to the cross. As we go back, Lord, to having faith in you. God, we want to surrender all to you. God, you're calling us tonight, Lord, to every area of our life. Not just certain areas. Not just ones that seem more convenient to us. Not just ones that maybe you've been working on, but now, God, you you want us to give all, everything, God, Lord. Even the hard things. Even what we don't want to do. Lord, help us tonight, God, that even our disappointments and discouragements we put into your hands. And we say, God, We trust you with them. So, Lord, stir us up. Set us on fire for you in believing that you are God and you are working. Jesus, you're alive and you're alive in us. Here we are, Lord. Set us on fire for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand.